Hi, this is Jacqueline Kitzman. Um, I am the uh, creator and curator for the Awaken Tarot Instagram, which is my personal account, but also what this podcast is named after. Um, this podcast was born out of a need to fix and kind of, I guess not fix, but kind of give a new spin on tarot education. There are so many wonderful teachers in the world and they host so many wonderful classes, but what I feel is missing is the ability to give readers equal playing ground. There's no need for a certificate. There's no need to glamorize or prioritize readers who have had cards longer. Um, the cards are a reflection of humanity. Um, it's their human nature condensed into a 78 card deck, which means if you're a human, you can read tarot. And this podcast is meant to talk about the cards in a really genuine way, not in a way that glamorizes me, not in a way that makes me look like I know everything, um, and not in a way to make my guests look dumb or like they don't know anything, but in a way to prove that absolutely everybody has something to add to the conversation of tarot. Um, the format of this podcast is going to be that me and a guest, sometimes repeating, sometimes not, new, old, it doesn't matter if you've even never seen a deck before. The point is that if you can look at a card with a picture and you know and you can talk about numbers and you can talk about colors and feelings, you can talk about tarot in a way that makes sense not just for yourself but for many people. Um, in this way, kind of giving power back to the reader and not necessarily to the teachers making money off of tarot education without teaching the synthesis process of actually reading the cards. So for this first episode and this like first time doing this, I have my husband Gabriel on with me. Um, this is very exciting because one, he lives here, so it's easy too. <laughs> he actually just let me teach him in a few friends like a couple weeks ago. We talked, I talked for nine hours and we talked and learned all about the tarot from like the deck as a whole to the major and minor arcana, um, all the way through every single card. And by the end of the night, I was fucking exhausted. However, I was really, really beyond impressed with how the people there at this retreat with me left and took off a tarot, including my husband, who, again, it, he does live here. It is easy. This is his studio. But at the same time, like, he's been reading tarot every single night since he got it. Um, and I think this is kind of a perfect way to showcase just how important and wonderful it is to be able to express how you interpret the cards, regardless of how long they've been in your hand. So, Gabe... Can I hello, yourself? <laughs> hello. I am Gabriel. Um, <laughs> I am Gabriel. <laughs> <laughs> sitting over here the whole time, listening to my lovely wife talk about what she does, also very wonderfully. Um, that was a that was a very long day of tarot. We none of us expected it to be long, but three um, hours tops is what I was going yeah, for. <laughs> it was, but it was such a comprehensive. Like I feel like I I hold the secrets to an ancient wisdom and I learned it just like all day I mean when I say learned I mean I have a a basic knowledge to read the cards with the notes that Jacqueline has given me and and see into myself I I am definitely not at 
a level that I, you know, there's always room to grow, which I think is part of the point that she is making as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the point being that it doesn't matter how long you've had the cards. Like, I've had them now since 2017. It may surprise people to know I haven't had them for, like, 10 or 20 years. Um, yeah, but it's a, bit a about, lot of people say that. Yeah, it's been about dedication and about growing with the cards, whether you've had them from day one or day, like, 792. I pulled the number out of my ass. But <laughs> basically, the, the idea is that if you understand humanity... You can understand tarot. The tarot is a, it's almost like a fingerprint. The way we interpret is like a fingerprint unto ourselves because nobody is exactly the same. And so nobody can read tarot exactly the same. And there's not a problem with that. There's not a, there's not a problem with Gabriel seeing a card one way and me seeing it another way. And that's the case for everybody. Um, And I think that's important and is definitely one of the priorities and fun parts, I hope, of this podcast, that it is educational and also serves as a form of encouragement for readers across the board. Yeah, I, I think one of the most enticing aspects of tarot for me is that is it me? is... Me? As your teacher? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like how it can be personalized. I am a, a stubborn, creative being who is... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you are. diving right into <laughs> myself. That's a stillium and Leo. Uh, <laughs> I, I like to do things my own way. I don't like to follow rules sometimes. It's it's a great thing and also a bad thing and all of these things. So I like being able to look at a card and go, you know, this is how I see it. And it doesn't have to mean that for somebody else. And it's it's different when you're reading for other people. The ability to empathize um, is, is definitely paramount there. But um, reading for yourself, definitely, I can... I can look at a card and I can come up with I can come up with it based on based on the basics, based on what Jacqueline taught taught us in that nine hour day. Nine whole hours. But and that was it. <laughs> it was fun. It was nine hours. It was a whole breakdown. Someday I hope to do it again, but in increments where I don't lose my voice at the end of it. But I mean like the essence of it is that, like, basically a bunch of people came in, not just people that had never used tarot before. We, I had a person in there who had a, who's had a deck for 15, over 15 years. And they came in and they not only were able to contribute and teach, but they were also able to learn something from it. And I think one of the most important parts of being a teacher is if that you're not willing to learn, if you're not learning as much as you're teaching, you're not teaching, if you can't consider your students a teacher, then there's a problem. And I feel like that is an, the underlying issue in a lot of the ways that we teach tarot currently. Um, and I'm definitely not calling anybody out, but I have seen this form of like tarot education has almost become assembly lined. Like it would be like taking the SATs or the ISATs in school. And I'm not sure that's creating healthy and... Um, encouraged readers i think so too and i think to your point earlier about tarot being a a mirror of humanity a mirror of of the emotional psyche of a human um i think that's something that learning learning from other humans and teaching other humans and learning from other humans i think that's a a good lesson in something that tarot teaches us and a good point to bring to the table about tarot that you can be a master of tarot and still learn something from somebody who started yesterday. 
Absolutely. Constantly learning, constantly learning something new. The more you learn about a person, just in general, the more you learn about humanity as a whole. Um, so I think this is really wonderful. And I'm really excited that you are kind of the first like guest and also on the first episode. And you're like also my husband, which is nepotism, but it's fine. It's also wonderful. You're incredibly, Gabriel is incredibly intuitive for those who did, don't know. And I mean, this will be a, like a part of the podcast where I get to like talk about like the person I have on, like what they do and their strengths and what, you know, like one of the reasons I'm drawn to them spiritually. Um, you know, with Gabriel, he reads runes. When we met, neither one of us, we were both spiritual in our own ways. Um, but we both kind of picked up these methods of divination that we started studying. Gabriel did runes. He's also an incredible intuitive healer, physical healing, um, which is something that like, that is a skill that I, that I wish that I had, but I absolutely do not because I have the immune system of a, uh, a really broken teapot. Um, <laughs> ours is a rust on it. That was where I like, I went straight to rusted teapot, but Gabe is very intuitive. He very much, like, it does not surprise me that he has formed a connection with the deck of cards that I gave him that day so quickly. So this is going to be a really exciting first episode and also probably the longest one that we do. Kicking it off strong. Kicking it off strong. But yeah, do you have anything you want to add before we pull a card and talk about it? Uh, no. Uh, thank you. Uh, my, my, in, my intuition is definitely grown. Jacqueline and I have been together um, just over four years. We got married just in October a few months Whoa. ago. Um, she is now Jacqueline Kitzman. No longer. Not Williams. legally, but I'm working uh, on right, it. Right, right. <laughs> the paperwork is hard. We're reading tarot cards instead. Um, I, I, I owe a lot of my intuitive abilities, I think, to, uh, to Jacqueline. And oh. emotion is being in a relationship forces you to face a lot of emotions. And being in a relationship <laughs> with a Pisces moon focuses, makes you focus on emotions. Is that what I, you're saying? I think that that is a pain. <laughs> yes. And as someone who has, uh, I spent a lot of my youth ignoring a lot of emotions for reason A, B, C, um, that we don't have to, that's a whole other episode probably, but um, it's it, window opening that door. Um, Jacqueline was a big part of that. Tarot has opened it even further and made it more intelligible, I guess, is a way to say it. So, yeah. Pull some cards. Okay. So I'm going to shuffle. I'm going to see what card comes out. There's no system. It's just shuffling a card, see what comes out. And then we're going to talk about it. The idea is that this is completely unscripted. We're going on this journey together. And to prove that just because you are a teacher of tarot, master of tarot, doesn't mean that you know everything and doesn't mean that somebody that's new or older or more seasoned than you doesn't have something to contribute to the conversation. All right. I like to watch her shuffle the cards. She she has kind of a specific way that she does Is it. that your way of saying it's strange? No, I stole it. <laughs> I was like, I want to do that. I feel like a real tarot reader when I shuffle my cards like that. That's it's so funny like... because I don't think any other reader shuffles their cards this way. I think it is my own brand of strangeness. I'll take it. You'll take Well, you married it, so you're <laughs> fucking stuck, buddy. <laughs> I'm stuck. Okay, I need, like, a drum roll while I expose this card to you. I cannot show. roll my tongue. Purr, I can purr it. Purr. Okay, ready? It's gonna it. be like a lame card. I'm sorry. <laughs> Here's a teaching moment. Are you insinuating that there is a lame card in this deck? 
I, there was a lame part of humanity. I knew as soon as I said that that I was going to. I'm sorry. Eat what those do words. you think is a lame card? Oh, I don't know. Do you want to go down this road, sir? No, no. I okay, why don't back. you jump off the chariot I'll and sit, sit your butt down? Okay, so the card we're doing is. It is the, we're going to, so it came out reversed, which is important. And we can kind of talk about the reversal aspects of this card. But the card we are talking about is the seven of wands. So for this podcast, and it won't be the same every episode or really depending what the reader's comfortable with doing the guest on this is. Um, but for this episode, we are using the Smith Rider weight. Uh, so we are looking at a human who is standing up on top of a hill and they have big stick and they are waving it at a bunch of other sticks waving up at him you see that Gabe I do it almost looks like he's he's working or has been working with some of the sticks um I I I say he and I know that Jacqueline is going to correct me and go into a point about how she interprets gender with the deck so I apologize for that already but he is he is masculine looking um I just did it again. What is masculine? Okay. <laughs> Go ahead and correct me. Okay. So the way that I teach tarot, I don't teach cards genderized. I don't teach masculine cards and feminine cards. I teach cyclic energy and stable energy. Um, what this means, and it does not mean that stable is masculine and cyclic is feminine. That's not the case. It simply takes a, the gender completely out of it so that we are all learning when to be flexible and when to be stable. That's the deal. That's the dealio. Um, and so, so learning from that, how, what would have been the best way for me to refer? They. They. Ah. Yeah, we're going to go completely androgynous because it's not about it. I mean, like you can say he is a picture of what is presumably a male on this card. But the fact that we have to say presumably, it would just be easier to say they we shouldn't assume pronouns and we don't want to make tarot unaccessible to people who do not prescribe to a certain gender or who are not cisgendered. It's just, for me, that's important. And also doing that at least helped me establish a deeper relationship to the tarot, especially when it came to the court cards or the genderized cards in the Major Arcana. Okay. Good point. Good point. Thank yeah, so you. sit down and stop talking about male <laughs> on this card. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> Control your penis, game. There's seven sticks. <laughs> <laughs> That was not meant to be a phallic you insinuation. Seven? <laughs> Is there not seven? No, there. I just mean like seven. Could you one man seven penises? Oh, that'd be a lot. One human. I just genderized. See, I have to call myself out on it too. Talk about the card, Gabriel. <laughs> uh, it looks like work is being done. Um, what kind of work? I happen to know, hopefully, and remember, hopefully, that seven. Um, sevens are generally for self-realization yep. in some way. Typically, that's um, how sevens are translated, yeah. And I know, hopefully, that wands <laughs> hopefully <no>. are... <laughs> it was like, fingers crossed, I'm, I'm not wrong. I'm pulling this out of out of my nine-hour class that was I'm several having, months ago. I'm having a Neo moment from The Matrix, but what if I told you you can't be wrong? <laughs> Unless you're talking about gender in regards oh, to the that tarot. That makes me afraid to say anything now. Um uh, wands represent the element of fire, True. which um, corresponds to creation, creativity um, in 
and some of the ways that I think about fire because I've studied some runes are um, protection or lighting the way or providing light in the dark or um, or warmness or heat getting too hot and and burning um, which can <laughs> and be burninating <laughs> burninating <laughs> burninating the village the don't touch the fire yeah so you're entirely right and when we're looking at the suit of wands we are talking about fire and all of the things that fire can do. And it's really important as yourself, if you're kind of interpreting a card, especially if it's kind of interpreting it for yourself, um, is thinking about what fire means to you. Like for me, fire is both a warming, pleasant, comfortable, magical, passionate thing. But it's also like a holy fuck, Jacqueline, do not touch that or do not get your sleeve in there because you know you've done that before. It's very much something I need to be aware of. Um, which I think translates to, because I am a Leo son, like I think it translates to ego in a lot of ways um, for me. Uh, the Wands, fun fact, is actually the suit I pull least in the tarot. Hmm. I mostly pull cups and swords. And um, and then I would say pentacles is like the second to least one I pull, mostly just because I don't have a great relationship with my body. Ah. <laughs> uh, Bringing trauma into my tarot education podcast is always fun. <laughs> However, um, it's also important because trauma is part of the human experience, and it also happens to be a part of the way that I translate these cards. So here's a question, Gabriel. One of the things that I like to talk about when talking about the suit of wands is how are the wands being used in each card? Because the suit of wands is also about action, like physical activity, physical action. So how do you think the wand is being used in this in this picture? You know, just from looking at it, it looks as if they are being used to create either a sort of a barrier around the person or to hold back water from entering or to hold or to... They, they look like they're being inserted into the ground and he's got one in his hand. I did it again. He... They have one in their hand. Um, I like that you understand that you're doing it and you call yourself out, though, because a lot of people wouldn't, and I appreciate it. And I'm sure a lot of people do. Trying real hard. <laughs> um, the, the last one um, that is in their hand is, it looks as if it's going to be stuck in the ground next and last. So I have to tell you something. This is not a way most people would translate this picture, but it is an absolutely genius way of seeing this. So the way that this picture would be translated is that a bunch of people are waving their sticks in the air and this person is beating them down. But what you're saying is completely valid because if you did not know that, it really would look like this human was putting in another stick to build like a barrier from something. Either to keep themselves, would you say then if that is a barrier and they're putting that stick in the ground, are they keeping themselves away from something or are they trying to keep people out it looks like they're trying to keep something out keep something out why would you say that just in kind of the vague expression on their face yeah uh, and maybe the circular way it looks as if they're maybe forming and the the land that he's standing on is slightly raised with mm -hmm. grass on the top sand on the sand on the side it looks like they're being stuck in around elevating himself uh their self and um almost as a protective sort of 
escape. So <clears throat> one of the really amazing things about the artwork of uh, Pamela Coleman Smith is that she was able to take a really powerful and evocative feeling or emotion and paint it onto a card. The problem is that humans are very binary thinkers. So we look at this card and we're like, well, obviously this human is very uncomfortable in some regard. Either they're beating away other people, they're jealous, they're standing on this top and they're like, I will not be moved. Or they're building a barrier so that people cannot get to them or get in their way or so they cannot get it or so that basically like staying in their own lane, making you stay in your lane and then them themselves staying in their own lane, which is, I think, kind of how you were talking about it. But the idea is that Pamela and Coleman Smith was able to take an emotion that we connected to the strongest and depict it on one card. But we truly have to think about the other ways that these things, these emotions can be felt. So for instance, Gabriel, you mentioned earlier that sevens are kind of a number of self-awareness, self-realization. The seven and the tarots are very much like this. They are about discovering the self in some way, um, discovering an aspect about yourself. So for me, when I pull this card and I, I see the face and I see them with this big wand in their hand, to me, what is happening in this picture is that they are taking this stick and they're waving it in the air and they're figuring out a way to use it to combat what doesn't necessarily have to be other people's complaints, but can also be self-complaints. What are you telling yourself, Jacqueline, that is holding you back from getting something done? What is the voice in your head saying to you that is keeping you from completing a task because your ego is bruised from it? Or it's saying like, hey, like you were using, you are weaponizing your ego. You're holding other people back from something. You're whacking down their desires, their ideas, their creativity, and trying to make it your own. Um, I feel as if for me, it comes up in that way a lot. It can also come up in regards to fear of loss. But I find it really interesting that for you, it's more about what's staying in your lane. Yeah. Yeah. Staying, not letting, not letting others or other aspects of your life sort of affect, affect what you mm -hmm. are, what you are trying to accomplish. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. And the other thing is that the reason we're referring to ourselves first is because tarot is always internal first before external. Hmm. That doesn't mean that this card can't come up in regards to like, that other person's beating me down. But most often it's like, hey, like you can't control that person. So if you're doing a reading for yourself, it's saying, how can you work through either being the one beat down? How can you work through it? What level of self-awareness do you need to move through it? Um, kind of that aspect. What do you think, Gabriel? Yeah. What can you tell me about how the colors on this card? They're very primary. Um there's mm -hmm. there's blue, red, and yellow, and then what's, his shirt is green. So and what's the biggest color in this? Blue, blue for sure. Blue, I find that really interesting, because blue is the color of water. Blue is also used in the suit of swords in regards to air, but blue being 
in regards to water in this sense and fire and fire being the element that rules the suit of wands it can kind of make me think about the fact that water douses fire that if you were putting somebody down like getting rid of their fire you're putting them out hmm. that's interesting when i when i said before that it looked like like there, there's a word that I'm trying to think of that it looks like he's making, and it's somewhat of a dam. It's like when rain runs down the hill and you take sandbags and sticks and you build it up. It looks like that's what he's building to me. That's interesting. So basically we're talking about the different ways that our emotions, our thoughts, our communication, how we are and what we think about ourselves, how that affects others, and how others' egos and opinions and desires affect us. So when we pull this card, yes, it's internal first, but it also talks to us about navigating both of those lanes. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. What else do you think about this card? Like, What are your other thoughts? Because I think that, for me, is about all I can say about this card. I can. Oh, well, it did come up in reverse, so I guess we could talk about like what a reversal would mean in regards to this. Yeah. Um, I think reversals are a... That's, that's something I definitely struggle with as I am going down the path of reading for myself and when I come up to a re reversal. And, and I know how um, I have been told by you to approach reversals as not so much as uh, an opposite of what the card is supposed mm -hmm. to mean, but more of a bold print version. Yeah, so it's kind of like a card with spirit fingers. It's it, yes. <laughs> but on jazz hands are always better. Jazz hands. So <laughs> jazz house spirit figures. Basically, a reversal does not mean in my head, again, for some people reading, and they may be very comfortable being like this in reverse means absolutely not or the opposite of. But for me, it's definitely not like that. In fact, it's more, it's rarely opposite of. So there is a certain level of intuition that goes into reading a card in reversal. Um, <clears throat> my friend... Ian introduced me to this game called Mysterium, and it's actually a pretty complicated game to try to explain, but I'm going to try in really layman's terms to talk about what I think is a really easy way to explain reversals, so hang with me. Part of the game Mysterium is that there is a narrator of the story, and they're actually the ghost, and the ghost isn't allowed to speak, but there are six to like eight other players, and they're all psychics. So the ghost's job is they have a deck, and I believe it's of 78 cards. I think. I don't want to say that for sure. And somebody's like, actually, it's like 105. I don't know. I thought it was 78. Don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> However, basically, the point is that the ghost has to get the psychics to guess who did it with what in what room. Very similarly to Clue. But the problem is, is that the ghost can only draw seven of those 78 cards at a time. And they have to give the players a card from inside that seven they pull that tries to get them to guess who did it with what in what room. So the way that this is like reversals is that when the tarot deck gives you a reversal, it's also only working with 78 cards. It has to give you the card that best fits your answer and it's wanting you to think outside the box. So it's giving you a card in reverse. So sometimes that can mean opposite of or no, sure. But for the most part, it's saying, hey, I'm giving you this card. Trust me, it's the most applicable to the question you're answering. Now, Think outside the box a little. Look at the number. Look at the color. Look at how the thing is being used. How does it make you feel? 
Think of all of the different ways that the elements can act in regards to the number and the colors, and you can come to maybe a better conclusion of interpreting the card. Does that make sense? Yeah, I've, I've definitely found that relying and, and trusting my intuition, which is difficult um, for probably everybody. For me, it's, it's, it's a little bit new to me, so I try, I try to take a reversal and... It, it, it gives me a little bit of twinge of, of fear because I'm like, oh my God, I don't know what to do with this. It's a reversal. It showed up. And I try and sit with that fear for a second and then analyze not even that difficultly. Just does it mean opposite or does it just want me to pay attention? And you know a secret that I don't think – that I would hope a lot of tarot readers, especially more seasoned, one, seasoned ones, would say is that, that we don't always know what a reversal means. Sometimes we don't even know when we're reading for other people and we're like, yeah, this is what the reading means and there's a reversal. Honestly, we don't know how that card, maybe why it's in reverse, but what we knew, what we do know is that some aspect of that energy is showing up for ourselves or for our client. And we have to find a way to talk about that in a way that makes sense to them. Reversals are the hardest part for people to learn in regards to learning tarot, because it does rely on a certain amount of intuition, which people are taught to like, not trust. We're taught from a very young age, don't do that. Don't go over there. Don't pick that up. The things that we're drawn to do naturally when we're young, some of them are dangerous, but we're drawn there for a reason and it's beat out of us. And so as adults learning tarot, we pull up a card and we lay it down in reverse and we're like, holy fuck, that card is in retrograde. And it's a little bit scary. Even if it's like a traditionally bad card, also there are no bad cards in tarot, but if you were to get a card that's traditionally heavier, like let's say the Three of Swords and you get it in reverse, there's this air of being like, whew, like thank God that thing's in reverse, rather than asking yourself and taking the time to be like, how are my thoughts affecting my feelings here? You know, you can think of a reversal as like furthering the question. Maybe that's another way to kind of talk about it. Like it's furthering and deepening the meaning of the mm-hmm. card. Or just, and yes, all of that, absolutely. And, and you're the, you're definitely the expert there. No, we also... have to stop calling me an expert <laughs> on this podcast, which is supposed to prove I'm not that. <laughs> or any of us. Right, right. Um, or rather that we're all experts. Right. Or can be, or at least have something to say. But just thinking about it differently, just like focus, think about it a little bit harder than maybe you would have if it was right side up. If you got Mm -hmm. regular old seven of swords, you got reverse seven of swords. So pay attention. This is also wands. That's what I said. You said swords. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is genuinely a really wonderful conversation to have about this card. To have about any card, whether it's in reverse or not, to go in and pick apart the meaning of it for yourself. Because the hardest the hardest thing to do is like you can flash card rote memorize all of the cards and all of their meanings. It's so much harder to learn how to synthesize that information. It's almost like going back to school and like, okay, so now you've learned like all of the principles of the scientific theory, but can you put them into action? And that's kind of what a reversal gives us. It gives us this gift of synthesizing the information of that card. What do we know about the number? What do we know about the suit? What do we know about the colors? What do we know about how the card has come up for us before? Yeah. Okay. Do you have anything you want to add? 
Uh, no. Um, I definitely, it's definitely really good. I wish I could, wish we had time to go through every card like this, because it's, I'm sure eventually we will, and as our lives go on and we read more tarot, it's just going to become a little bit brighter. Mm -hmm. I'd like to, I would like to, before we go on to the collective reading part of this, where I kind of talk, pull a card and talk about how that's going to affect us, I want to talk to you about one thing that you taught me about this card, and that is to look at it and think about them building a wall, building a dam, building a barrier, rather than just beating things away. I think that is such a refreshing and new way of looking at it that I hadn't, honestly, I had never seen that in this card, but looking at it now, that is definitely something that I could see. And it does bring up this concept of, do we stay in our own lane? Do we need to leave the lane? Do we feel like we have the appropriate amount of knowledge and information to act on something it definitely does bring up those concepts and i feel like that is going to from this day moment evening it is like 12 at night going to deepen my understanding of the seven of ones so hmm. thank you you're welcome okie dokie so this is the portion of the podcast where jacqueline gets up and sings a silly song i'm kidding it's not veggie tales i am going to shuffle and then pull a card for the rest of the week and talk to you guys about the energy okay so this is a collective reading for all of us. Oh, and um, I was just about to be like, let's talk about how like odd this week is. I'm not entirely sure when this podcast will come out yet. However, I assume it'll be fairly soon to the night that we recorded this, which is a Friday night. Um, and it happens to be the day after the airstrike um, the president ordered. Well, this is applicable because I've just pulled the tower in reverse. This is the collective reading. When I... My experience with the tower has always been a really complicated and yet beautiful one. In the tower, we are being awakened in some way. And this awakening, this <laughs> this giant cataclysmic seismic event happening inside us and around us um, is something that is going to take away things that we maybe weren't strong enough to give up ourselves. This is, if you've ever been like, oh gosh, I just really wish somebody would come take my hand and lead me to this place. This is the tower in action. The tower in the in the devil, we are, which is the card that comes before the tower, we are given the catalyst to chain our, to unchain ourselves, to set something free. And in the tower, we are watching in real time the effects of setting that thing loose. And so I encourage us all in this coming week, again, this is the tower in reverse, but it's definitely talking about being gentle with ourselves as we watch the things around us shift and change because this is all in alignment, right? 2020 just happened. We literally were two days into 2020 when a potential war was started overseas in the Middle East. This is terrifying, awful, and horrifying, but also it is a really good reminder for people here in the U.S., Especially that if we are scared, think about the people who will be personally affected if another war and constant needless killing were to happen on their continent. It's not enough to see someone else's tragedy from a TV or a phone and be like, oh, well, that's really sad, but it's not happening here. It doesn't matter if it's happening to a human. It is happening in your world. It's happening to you. We are all connected. We're connected to everything. And so this week, as we go on and we start seeing the effects of this very brash and scary decision made on behalf of the U.S. president, 
remember that the things that are happening to other people, they are affecting you. It does matter. That's not me saying I have the answers to anything or I'm going to get up right away and do the right thing, but I really and surely hope that given every opportunity, I take steps to make the world a safer place or to bring awareness to something. And I think that is a theme that we will carry with us in the next coming week. Okay. Okay. This has been Awaken uh, Tarot. Thank you for listening to episode one of this podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Um, I hope you learned something. This is really special to me and has been something I've wanted to do for a long time. And honestly, procrastination anxiety has gotten the better of me. And now it's 12 o'clock at night um, on January 3rd. And I guess we're doing it now. <laughs> um, we did it. We did it. <laughs> it went a little longer than I thought, but it was good. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.